This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And a good morning to it's uh, Frankie Proctor here, the sous chef of the garden, along with our producer David Gaskin. Both of us waving a big hello to Charlie Dobbin. (laughs) (laughs) Perfectly pronounced. Yes, we were kidding just before going on air. I have mispronounced Charlie's (laughs) last name in more ways than I could possibly imagine. Called you Dobbin, Dobbins. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. Just forgot the sleigh part. Dublin and and Durban and (laughs) we've got to straighten out. We've got to straighten out. Sure. Yeah. Dob- well, for the next thing, hmm? just like a horse. Just Dob- like a horse. Yeah, oh, that's me. Well, golly, <laughs> I wouldn't have said that, but that comes from your mouth. Okay. Yeah. Horse's mouth. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> All righty. Uh, my job here is really quite simple because mm. I am quite simple. Uh, phone numbers. That's what I do is give them out here. Okay. For Toronto area listeners, here's what you do, folks. You got a gardening question or you have a tip you'd like to pass along. By all means, 416 416- Three six zero zero seven forty, and then anywhere else in the province, it is toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And I brought along my uh, enforcement book here, and I do write tickets. <laughs> so uh, the the mantra, and we're serious about this, you know, call early, call often, one question per call. There you Ooh, go. Well said. I am smooth this morning. You huh? are yeah, smooth, just, Frank. <laughs> Very well done. Okay, a couple of announcements. Oh, all right. All right. Okay. Tomorrow, the Greater Toronto Bulb Society is celebrating their very first anniversary as, no as a group. And I guess they're a pretty happening group, those bulb people. They are meeting be- tomorrow between 1.30 and 3.30 at the Cummer Park Community Centre, which is at 6000 Leslie Street. It's the AGM because it's their first anniversary. Mm-hmm. There will be an election of the 2012 officers, and they're going to have a first anniversary social. Well, yeah. I, I've got to go there because I'm, I've been having a great I deal know. of difficulty with my bulbs. I planted a 60 <laughs> water, and I was hoping to go it into a 150, and no, it didn't work. No, it's too dim, is it? Too dim. All right. <clears throat> The speaker for the Greater Toronto Bulb Society meeting tomorrow is Vincent Wu, and he is presenting a talk on, you'll love this, growing tuberous and rhizomatous jasnariids. <laughs> Good Lord, <laughs> really? <laughs> you could say that to somebody and, and make it sound really nasty. I know. Tuberous yeah. and rhizomatous jasnariids. Okay, so th- okay. you know what that is. Uh, no. African violets. Oh, well. <laughs> are an example of a, of a jasnariid, as are gloxinia, uh, there's a there's a bunch of plants out there. Anyway, very interesting. Lots of uh, lots of cool stuff going on there. The remember as well, guests or prospective new members are more than welcome okay. tomorrow, and you will receive some bulbs if you join the club. The bulbs are kindly donated by Dougald Cameron, the current president of the society, through his company Garden Imports. 
Dougal's great. One, we should get him on as a guest yeah, one, of these, yeah. one of these days. He's quite fun. Okay, coming up Thursday, December the 8th, it's the final Edwards Lecture for 2011 at the Toronto Botanical Garden. Doors open at 6.30. The topic is 25 Top Plants for All Seasons Splash. For All Seasons Splash, like, you know, uh, like a... Good-looking good garden year-round. Okay. Good. You got it. All right. The speaker is Dan... Ben Arsic, he's a horticulturalist at the renowned Chanticleer Garden near Philadelphia. He concentrates there on tropical, subtropical, and tender perennials for seasonal display. Okay. Okay. The admission, of course, to the public is $20. Students are 15, but members are free. Good reason to join the Toronto Botanical Gardens. They have great speakers. And... You get to get in free when yeah. you join. What does it cost to join? Just, I mean, off the top of your head, I think it's you know? 20 bucks. Oh, well, gosh. Join you get a free. I think I'm a yeah. member. I think I paid twenty bucks. It's not much. It's never much to join these groups and societies. And you get there's so many perks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that same day, December the eighth, is the holiday open house at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. So again, members with your little membership card, twenty percent off in the gift shop, cider, um, you know, silent auction. I just got the eyeball from our producer yep. Dave Gaskin. Both cider. of us going down there to yeah, join. Just for the, the cider, cider. Uh, greens. You can get great greens <laughs> yeah. for. Outdoor and indoor decorating. So anyway, place to be, December right. the 8th, TBG. Okay, now, RBG, Royal Botanical Gardens mm-hmm. in Burlington, starting today, is having its Doorways to the Holidays. It's it's running, this is, um, Doorways to the Holidays will run, starting today, right through until January the 8th, every day from mm-hmm. 10 until 4 p.m. At the RBG Center, you can see cleverly decorated holiday-themed doors. So get some ideas, take them home for your own decorating. Oh, I got to tell you, our, our neighbor across the hall from us has the greatest sign on her door. Uh-huh. Yeah. What? And it says, <laughs> Dear Santa, define naughty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> Myrna, way to go. <laughs> um, so, okay, there, Santa will be at the RBG, so if you, if you don't want to just leave a note, you go ask him okay. uh, with his reindeer. Uh, so at Royal Botanical Gardens. Also, weekend activities include model trains, live entertainment, local choirs, uh, holiday extravaganza, basically. So a lot of fun going lot, on lot at the Botanical Gardens. All righty. Good enough. Well, we're uh, coming up to our first little break here, and we'll be back very shortly. Uh, at least Charlie will be uh, to have a chat with Yvonne from Toronto. And uh, first, we take a break for these wonderful words of wisdom from our commercial sponsors. Back in a moment. Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, your sous chef, Frank Proctor, along. Uh, just a note that uh, we have a couple of lines free here, so it would be a good time to call in because folks who tend to wait till later on in the show find out, uh-oh, can't get in. 416-360-0740. And uh, the toll-free line, one 740 Four seven forty. Okay, that being said, let's welcome Yvonne to the show. Hi, Yvonne. Hi. Morning. Good morning. Um, I have a lot of uh, snapdragons in my garden, mm-hmm. and I wondered if I could replant them now, or should I wait for spring, or what oh. do I do? Oh, so they're still up and perky in the garden now? Yes, they're growing like crazy. I know they love the they love the chili, the cool. Ah, uh, and they didn't start till late, so. Well, probably. Okay, did you plant them, or did they see, come seed in from somewhere else? They came in from somewhere else, but I've had them for a couple of years now, and uh, so, I'd really like to replant some more in my backyard. 
because they're all in the front where oh, it's very sunny. Okay. So you want to spread them around. All right. So what I would suggest you do is let them be. Obviously, they they are flowering and seeds are forming and they are, believe it or not, you know, sort of um, popping some of those seeds out and disseminating those around the front yard. Right. Once you're at the point where, you know, it's really getting cold, uh, the ground is starting to freeze, you know, we're not really at that point with the kind of weather we've been having, pull up some of those snapdragons or even this weekend if you're out and this is kind of your final cleanup weekend, mm-hmm. just pull them up, up some of the snapdragons, just root and all, right. take those plants to the backyard and just lay them on the soil in the area where you want snaps to grow next year. Oh, like don't dig them in? No, no, they won't survive. The, oh, okay. the, the um, plants, the snapdragons that are in your garden now will die eventually in the cold enough frost. Yeah. But what survives are the seeds, and the seeds come up next spring. Okay. So the other thing, of course, would be to purchase some seeds and just go out and sprinkle some seeds um, late, sorry, early spring next year on the surface of the soil where you want them to grow. Or even to be more ahead of the game would be to start some snapdragon seeds indoors in the winter, late winter, and then have little plants to plant outside. And again, just start that cycle of the, the snapdragons in the areas you want them. And they should keep coming up year after year after year if the oh. seeds get out there. Well, there are some seeds on some of the stalks now. Mm-hmm. Could I take those off? Or? You could. I, I'd be inclined to just take the stalk and all and just don't don't get fancy here. Just take the whole plant, lay it on the ground and where okay. you want them to grow and walk away. Oh, that's easy. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Gosh. Well, you've had a great show. I really enjoy it every week. Oh, thank okay. you. Good. Thanks, Yvonne. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye now. Yeah, that was a simple solution. Well, you know, That's the do... kind of gardening I like. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I've learned. You see, I am so lazy. I'm always looking for the easiest way to do stuff. Well. And I've had good success with snapdragons, amaranth, alyssum, uh, many of those <clears throat> fairly hardy annuals. Yeah. Just let, you know, throw them out there, the plants, lay them on the soil. I've given them to my neighbors. They go, how do you get this stuff to grow? I go, here, take this, you know, shriveled up looking plant home and just throw it out in the garden somewhere and it'll come up next year. You'll, like, it won't come it's up. It's amazing. But yeah. seeds will. Yeah, that's cool. <clears throat> hey, uh, Elaine in Toronto. Hello and welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you? Great. How Great. about you? Good, good. I have a question for Charlie. I have a beautiful Christmas cactus that my daughter-in-law bought me about 20 years ago and it's just gorgeous and and it blooms all the time. The only problem is that uh, just before the buds open, they start to fall off. Oh, they get all kind of shriveled up? Yes. What am I doing wrong? Um, so you're not moving it, are you? It's in the same spot all the time? It's in the same spot. I bring it out in the, uh, in the uh, summer and in the shade, and then I bring it in, and mm-hmm. then all the buds form. Mm-hmm. And I have it uh, facing south, not, not right near the window. But the the buds seem to uh, fall off before they. Is it getting any kind of draft, like from a duct, like hot air draft from a vent or television or anything like that? No, no, it's uh, far away from that. Okay, good, because that's the one thing that'll really knock buds off is is hot drafts. Uh-huh. Um, I would be inclined to put it closer to that southern window you referred to, get it into a little more light. But there, I have a heat vent there. You know what I use? Of course, we always have vents right at our windows, right? right. That's where they always yeah. blow right mm-hmm. up. I use those um, vent deflectors, they're called. Okay. Uh, gizmos, you pick them up at they're Canadian plastic, Tire. Aren't they? Exactly. Yeah, it's plastic, plastic with two yep. little magnets, mm-hmm. and you put that right over top of the vent and then deflect that 
uh, air along the ground, mm-hmm. away from the window, along the floor. And then, of course, then you can put whatever little um, plant stand or a table right over top of your vent that way and sit plants right in the window. So put it uh, closer to the window. I would be inclined to do that. Be careful about the watering. Don't overwater. No, I don't do that. Yeah, no. And don't mist it at all. You don't need to do any little misting. No, I don't do that yeah. either. Uh, the only thing you should do is turn it every uh, week, you know, a couple of days or, you know, turn it 180 degrees just to try and keep it balanced, the, okay. the growth balanced. I'll and, try that. My daughter-in-law can't believe that I still have it alive after all these years. That's great. No, that's lovely. Okay, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks, Bye-bye. Elaine, and uh, Thanks for joining for us call. here on the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show for a Saturday. And this is, what, the 26th? It is the 26th, yeah. and uh, today is my daughter's birthday. Well... So, happy birthday to my daughter, who I know is not listening, but nevertheless, my thoughts are with her. Well, actually, my thoughts are with where I was 22 years ago today. She's <laughs> my 22 first today. child, yes. Oh, my goodness. What's yes. her name? Sydney. Sydney. That's you have a granddaughter. granddaughter named yeah. Sydney. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Good S- kids all. Uh, okay. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> well, I hope she is listening. No, she, you're going to be no, in big trouble. She's my firstborn. Yes, indeed. Okay. Was, uh, there, yeah. There's got to be stories here that we could... There are. I was doing hurdles yeah. today in an effort. She was so late being born. I just really wanted her born. <laughs> we were days and days and days overdue. I was literally running hurdles. I was two weeks overdue. Yeah. And we, we at that point in time, I owned a Jeep, and we actually got in the Jeep and went over bumpy roads. <laughs> to try, to try. Come to on, baby. Well, that's why I was running yeah. hurdles because I was oh, like literally just yeah. had to do something. Die being the size, she's very short. Tiny, yeah. but, but I told her she looked like a ship, uh, full. Bl- she was taller laying down than she was standing up almost. <laughs> I'm telling you. Anyway, hey, it's 9:20. We got to get scooting along here, uh, and I'll remind folks again of the phone numbers here: four one six three six zero. 0740 for the Garden Show and uh, toll free number 1 866 740 4740. We'll come back, maybe have a chat about the weather, which is incredible for this time no, of year. No kidding. First of all, though, we have exercises. We've got exercises. We've got us get in shape because today is another great day to be in the garden. <sighs> Don't have to shovel I, any snow. That's yep. the good thing. We could be golfing, Absolutely. doing all kinds of things in this great weather. So keeping limber, keeping pain-free is what Frank and I both do by using Sierra Sill. It's a, a mineral supplement from the Sierra Mountains. Very top-secret uh, uh, sort of blend of minerals that somehow works to keep those joints feeling good, whether it's knees or elbows or wrists or anything. Now, Sierra Sill can be purchased over the Internet at sierrasil.ca. It can, you can call and talk to the people and order it over the phone, or you can pick it up at your local um, health food store, yeah. and of which there's many that now carry Sierra Sill here in Ontario. The Peanut Mill is one on Welland Avenue in St. Catharines. Uh, the uh, place called Essence of Life in Kensington Market uh, in Toronto also carries uh, Sierra Sill right on the shelf. And, of course, staff can help you or give the Sierra Sill people a call. And the phone number would be? one eight seven seven joint 14 you supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And let's welcome Alice to the line. Good morning, Alice. Morning. morning. Where, are you, where are you calling from, by the way? Oh, I'm calling from Toronto. Okay. Welcome. Okay. I had a question about a mini rose. Mm-hmm. It was just so lovely, I couldn't resist it in the store the other day. Mm-hmm. But I would like to be able to uh, have it survive until the springtime. Mm. And I wanted to know whether I should transplant it or not. 
Uh, it seems very light. I'm afraid it's going to either tip over or dry out. So it's probably just in a tiny little four-inch pot. It is. And it's quite a fat little juicy rose. Uh, yes, um, <laughs> but it did look nice. Yeah. Well, honestly, this is never the best time to transplant plants. The reason we do it is because they're pot-bound. Uh, now, what I would suggest you do, it's in probably a small little green plastic pot with holes, drainage holes in the bottom, would be to look at the bottom of the pot, you know, lift it up, <clears throat> look underneath, see if you see roots. If you see roots starting to grow out any of those drainage holes, then yes, <clears throat> excuse me, it is appropriate to consider potting it up to a six-inch pot. So you would just go up one size. Yes, that's what I thought I would do. And if you wanted to do that just on principle, because like you said, it, it's, it's a bit scary that it could just dry out. Or, you, know, you want it in a sunny spot uh, in your windowsill, so lots of sun. Don't hesitate to mist it on occasion. It loves some humidity. Or sit it on a, a bed of a tray of pebbles with water in the pebbles, but the little plant sitting above the water on top of the pebbles, right. just to increase the humidity around it. The one thing that I find many roses are often affected by in our homes in the winter are spider mites. And oh, uh-huh. spider mites love a dry environment. So if right. you can keep it a little more humid, you can keep down the spider mite problem. And just water as required. You don't want it to sit in water, the plant, but at the same time you don't want it to dry right out because you'll lose all your little buds, etc. Mm-hmm. Well, I wondered whether I would lose the buds if I repotted it now or whether I should wait? Well, hard to say. I mean, generally, if you're going to repot in the least in sort of invasive way is to don't mess around with the root ball. When you take it out of that four-inch pot, just leave that intact, that, that little... It'll, the soil will typically be holding in that shape, that four-inch pot shape. Yeah. So you'll have your six-inch pot ready. You'll have a little bit of fresh soil in the pot. You'll lift out... The, the root ball out of the four-inch pot, immediately go into the six-inch pot, get that soil down around the uh, edges of, you know, filling in the um, the space between mm-hmm. the root ball and the new pot. And, you know, with a pencil or your finger, just kind of gently tamp that soil right down, uh, water immediately, and leave it alone until it's time to water again. So well, make I it... Just use regular potting soil? Yep, just regular potting soil. And remember, when you're watering, use room temperature water. Oh, okay. And what about any fertilizer. You can fertilize while it's flowering, so not a bad idea, just a, a regular miracle grow or a flowering plant fertilizer uh, every two weeks. Okay. Okay. Good. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining the show, good, Alice. Good luck with that. All right. Bye. It, it, Pretty bye cheerful, eh, to yeah. have flowering plants in the house. It's great. It's a really it's really nice, you know. It makes me happy to have flowers around. You, you are easily pleased, though. <laughs> <laughs> you think. Ask, well, that, yeah. ask my daughter. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Sydney. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Happy birthday, Sydney. Uh, okay. Uh, 928 here at AM 740. And, of course, this is the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show uh, for another Saturday. And uh, we've got another caller online. But we wanted to chat quickly about uh, a little email. Uh, yeah, let me just idea. share this email because it yep. was kind of a hard one to answer. This is from Gail Petrie or Petrie. She uh, loves the show and says, I have been given a large curly fern that someone had outdoors and just brought inside. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's a bit hard to know whether that's like a Boston fern or one of those Kimberly ferns. Anyway, sounds like it's a tropical fern. So the question is, uh, well, um, Gail's point is the fern is in great condition. She's been given it. How can I overwinter it? Can I cut it right back and plant it back in the garden now? I really can't keep it inside. Any other suggestions? 
So that's mm. a hard one because I don't really know what the fern is. If it's a tropical fern, probably it is. If it's in a pot and it's been outside all summer, yeah. it's like I say, a Boston fern or a Kimberly fern is one that looks a lot like a Boston fern, but it's more upright. So the fronds tend to stand, you know, more vertical and they're darker green and they're a little uh, more um, rigid than the Boston ferns, which are very soft and tend to be in hanging baskets and are, you know, really kind of droopy, et cetera. I wonder if it's possible for her to take a picture and yeah, send it to you. Yeah, I was going to say, So you Gail, identify it at least. And... Exactly. If, if you still got it and you're still wondering what to do, a tropical plant can't go outside and survive, needs to stay inside frost-free. Right. Doesn't need a lot of light, though. When you say you can't keep it inside, like, could there be a spot you could keep it that you're not thinking of? I mean, it could go, loves the moisture, loves a washroom, you know, bathroom where you've got a shower, bathtub, kitchen, someplace with a you know, laundry room even, where there's a bit of humidity. So if you wanted to send me an email, Gail, I can confirm what kind of fern it is. Uh, happy to read email and look at photos that sometimes people send. My email address is my first initial C and my last name Dobbin. So C-D-O-B-B-I-N. I look at Frank when I say that. <laughs> at am740.ca. Scale. Yeah, sorry, I wish I could help you, but uh, cutting it down to try and keep it alive isn't going to work, and putting it outside is probably not going to work either. Okay. Let's uh, check in to a caller from Oakville. Joe. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the show. Good morning. I really enjoy your show. Thank you. I was wondering if you could help. I have a, I guess it's a yucca a plant, like I've had it since it was about maybe two feet high, and uh, now it's about eight feet high, but it's wow. overgrown the structure. I don't know if I could uh, <laughs> transplant it or can it be cut down to size? Or... So what you've got, it's actually called a yucca. But, yeah, and so that's one of those cute... This happens with some plants. Dracaena is a good example, or even, you know, philodendrons. They're happy. You know, you have them for 10 or 20 years. They grow, yeah. they grow, and then they hit the ceiling. So yeah. what do you do, right? You well, that's what's happening. Raise yeah. the rooftop, right? <laughs> <laughs> move, you know, move to a house with, you know, a two-story room somewhere. One well, those... I have nine-foot ceilings, but uh, that's not good enough, I guess. No. Wow. No, so that, it, you know what you have to do? If you... See, if you cut the top off, some plants we can cut the top off and it makes them bushy. You know, they start sending out side shoots and it's a good thing. But with the single stemmed plants like a yucca or a dracaena, you can't do that. It doesn't work. You take the the top off and you get a very misshapen, strange looking plant. I see. So actually what you want to do is you want to take the top off and keep the top and throw out the bottom. Oh, I see. That's what you really want to do. Uh, I know you, Frank's well, going. Well, yeah, I've got a quick to go look at my face because how how much do you take off the top? I mean, you've well, got to. If it's it's eight feet tall. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably cut the top two feet off with okay. a nice sharp, you know, steak knife or something. Yeah, yeah. So nice straight cut, straight edge mm-hmm. all the way across. Keep that top two feet. You could throw away, like I say, or you could at least cut down. Now you're going to have seven feet standing there, and it's going to look really silly. So you cut, <laughs> cut sort of the five feet out that was in the middle, put that in the composter, keep the pot with just a two-foot stump in it, and I think you may find you'll get some sprouts and you'll get sort of some new growth, but you need to bring it right down almost a pot level for it to look reasonable. Sure. But with the two-foot chunk that you took off the top... Take off the lower leaves, just uh, around the, the circumference of that stem. You're gonna, it's a rosette of leaves. Sure. So you're going to just peel back like a banana, uh, maybe four or eight leaves. Let, just let that dry out on a piece of newspaper, that cut stem, for about 48 hours because right. you want it to dry down. And then take that cut stem, 
put it upright into a pot of soil, potting soil, insert that stem under the soil about an inch, stabilize it with a couple of stakes because it's got no roots at all, just let it stand there in that soil and let it be and it will will sprout some roots and it will will start to grow. But of course you want to be very careful you don't touch it for about six months while it gets those roots growing into that that pot. But you start all over again with the top. I was going to say it's like starting over, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, thanks very much. Good luck with that. that, What an interesting question, Joe. Joe. Thank you very much. Yeah. (laughs) Now when we first started the conversation I had visions of you saying, well, you have to bend it over and let it grow down, you know, <laughs> so you wind up kind of a, a big arch. But you I could guess do that. that's but. an option, but it would look very silly. <laughs> yeah, I guess it would, yeah. No, but that's amazing. You could do that, you know. Mm. Propagation. That's what you got to do. Well, I'm a big proponent of propagation. I know you are. I certainly am. <laughs> 9.34, our time here. As I get a word, look from our producer, David Gaskin. Uh, Mr. Johnson, calling yes. in from Scarborough. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. First time caller. Excellent. Welcome. Uh, I would like to find out if this is a good time to hill up my roses. Great question. No. <laughs> I've seen people, you know what, sometimes you just got to do it because it's it's working with your, your lifestyle. You know, you got to heal those roses and go to Florida or whatever it is that, you know, is on your agenda. But honestly, it's still too warm to, to heal the roses. If you heal them when it's 12 degrees out like it is today, all you're doing is trapping warmth around the roses, around the crown of the plants. So the soil is nice and warm below. You're putting soil on top of that warm soil, trapping that warmth. You're prolonging the plant not becoming dormant. And what you want is you want the roses to go dormant. And they will once it gets cold enough and the soil gets cold enough. But if you can avoid hilling, even though the weather is great today and it'd be a nice day to do it, I would I would not hill them if you can if you can avoid it. Wait another couple of weeks. Okay, thank you. Okay. By the way, Charlie, the sound is not very loud. I can hardly hear you. Oh, okay. Did I you might mention that to the uh, chaplains looking after that? I will. Thank huh. you. Did you okay, hear the then, answer? Charlie. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Okie dokie. Well, I don't know what that problem was, but we'll try and get that uh, rectified. Uh, David uh, apparently couldn't hear very uh, that. very clearly. I don't know. That sometimes happens. I it don't does. know why. People on the line. I know. I don't know yeah. why that happens. Hmm. Well, in any case, there is the answer there. Well, and that, and, you know, that was a great question because yeah. um, yesterday was such a gorgeous day. I took advantage of that sunshine and went outside. I had a few things to do. You know, a few more leaves had dropped off my trees. And gosh, um, I still had my water feature bubbling along there. So yesterday I put away the water feature. And I have plants in my above ground little half barrel that I have on my patio. So I buried my water plants and collected up the leaves and did a few things. And looked at the roses. <laughs> still haven't covered them. That's still on the list. I still well, yeah, w- get to that. We were going to talk a little bit about the weather because, uh, my gosh, who can believe that at this time of year we have the twenty-sixth of November and twelve degrees? Record-breaking. Yeah. I heard was it it was seventeen degrees yesterday in Collingwood. <laughs> And broke Gosh. records. And it was, I think, I don't know, 12 or 14 Poor or something. Poor guys who own ski hills up there. Yeah. must be. Uh, but even Sault Ste. Marie was record-breaking yesterday. Wow. Well, record-breaking since the 30s. Now, I see you brought one of my favorite uh, little I books out there. I love this. My Bible. Farmer's the Almanac. Old Farmer's Almanac. Hey, and of course, what say? <laughs> this is the Canadian edition. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you want to read it like yeah, that? <laughs> yeah, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, honestly, it's wrong. <laughs> 
<laughs> for Southern Ontario for the month of November, yeah. you know how it gets right down into the days of you know days of the month. If I look at November two thousand and one, and I look at the time frame we're in right now, for the twenty second to the twenty seventh of November, which is where we've just been, and, and tomorrow's the twenty seventh, it was supposed to be rain to snow, then flurries and very cold. Hmm. Followed up by starting on the twenty eighth. Ice to rain turning mild. So I think there's just a little confusion there. We got the, the mild and we've got the snow coming. <laughs> so, you know, when it comes right down to the days, sometimes it's wrong. But usually, in terms of the general gist, yeah. the almanac is very Pretty correct. Good. I wonder which system they use. Oh, it's top secret. Yeah, but it's, it would be. It's a mathematical program that this guy figured out way back. Gosh, in the 1700s, this guy, whatever this guy's name is, I don't have it at the tip of my, my tongue. He, he, there it is, 1792. The Robert B. Thomas founded the Almanac in 1792. And he, there, he used the stars and the moon and the tides and a whole bunch of, you know, things to come up with his, his mathematical forecasting. Mathematical formula. Yep, huh? and they still use his top secret oh, formula. Oh, really? It's still, that, oh, re- you weren't kidding. That's no, still not at all. Used. Okay. Oh, that's why it's still so top secret, because they still do it, and they don't want anybody to steal it. That's how the Almanac keeps on publishing. Well, there you <laughs> go. Okay. Uh, Ted from, uh, well, let's say, well, Jarvis Street, or was that Jarvis, uh, Ontario? Ontario? Jarvis? Yeah? Jarvis, yeah. Hi, hi, Ted. How are you this morning? I'm good, Frank. How are you? Good. Morning. Good. I just have a, just curious, Charlie. Mm-hmm. I was out this morning with my dog, mm-hmm. and I was walking around the corner, and I've got a forsythia plant on the corner, mm-hmm. and it's actually got flowers on it now and new buds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a little confused? Or? <laughs> exactly. All this warmth. Because all you need is a cold snap, and, and, you know, we did have some frost, there's no question. Uh-huh. And then all this warmth has caused some of the early spring blooming plants to think it's spring. Uh, I was kind of hoping spring was here. But... <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. You, you had slept through it. <laughs> you went to sleep one night and eight months went, four months went by. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? It's true. I know time flies, but that's a little much. Yeah, yet. no. Yeah. And you won't, you'll never see the entire, well, I mean, unless we had really prolonged warmth, you wouldn't see all those buds pop. But you will see the odd one pop out. You know, the magnolias do this every year. I know some of the witch hazel has been popping uh, some of the okay. blooms because of the warmth. Yeah, Absolutely. Ted, I, I think uh, you and I probably think alike that we know we're going to pay for this. You know? <laughs> yeah, you're right, Frank. <laughs> we're going to get smacked sometime soon and, and then <laughs> say, oh, remember those wonderful days in November. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Unusual. So okay, that's thanks, it. Guys. It's just confused. Thanks so much for thanks, the call, Ted. Ted. Okay. Coming up to uh, our next little break here, um, AM 740, Charlie Dobbins Garden Show, and... Frank, the sous chef. Oh, thank you. And the phone numbers, I better give him one more time here, 416-360-0740, that's the Toronto uh, line to call, and uh, anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740, and our producer, David Gaskin, will be keeping his eye on that line for your call. And we'll be back in just a couple of moments to say hi to Valerie and welcome her to the show on this uh, pretty good Saturday, I'll tell you. There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. With the uh, help, of course, of your ever-faithful ever sous chef of the garden, like undergardener... ever-faithful. Franklin Proctor, yes. You are the best. <laughs> and a good morning to Valerie in Scarborough. Hi, Valerie. Good morning. Um, 
I love your show. It's beautiful. You explain everything. Well, I try. You know, it's uh, oh, oh, you meant that for try. I see. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Valerie. Okay, my question is uh, cedar hedge. Mm-hmm. It has grown out of kilter. It's just oh, yeah. growing wild, and uh, the whole backyard, the whole back of the garden is uh, was cedars when we bought the house, and uh, they've been neglected, mm-hmm. very neglected, and they're spreading like a banana. Oh. And I would, <coughs> excuse me, I would like to ask, can I bring the branches back to the main stem and tie them and then cut them shorter? Because I, I'm not sure, but they must be nine feet and, and higher. Okay. And I would like to know if that is possible. Okay, so cut them down mm-hmm. and bring bring the branches closer to yeah. the middle, like to the main yeah. stem. It it is possible potentially, assuming that they depends how kind of how old they are. Really uh, old cedars are hard to rejuvenate sometimes. Okay, but Very old already, yeah. Well, how old? Like ten years old, twenty years oh, old? Oh no, more. Uh, for 30, 40 years 40. old? Okay, so the trunks on them are huge. The main stem is huge. They've got yes. big, wide branches that are taking half your yard away. And they're also tall, you mentioned. So, but only like nine feet tall or taller? Uh, could be a little taller, yeah. Okay, so they have, they were trimmed. I like get one time no, somebody trimmed never them. trimmed. Never trimmed. Because uh, my husband had a working place in the backyard and... Uh, uh, I never got to them. <laughs> okay, well, what you may find, there, you mentioned sort of tying up the branches just to try and, I yes, guess, do some yes. tidying. Kind of in the middle, yeah. so they cling the pro- all together. Yeah, the problem with that, see, that's where that banana visual is coming from, is that <clears throat> the, the branches are kind of drooping and hanging and yes. taking a lot of space and not looking very pretty. Very ugly looking. But... Tying them won't help. <laughs> It'll act, tying won't um, make the plant look better, and ultimately the branches aren't going to grow any better. The mm-hmm. ma- you can do one of two things. One is you can trim those branches back yeah. so that instead of them being so long that they droop, that you kind of take them back half their length yeah. so that the, the plant is a narrower plant as a result of doing that trimming. The other thing is to actually just remove the lower limbs on the cedars. Yeah. If if the stems, like cedar is a quite a beautiful bark. Yes. It's got the long, stringy, very, um, particularly old cedars. They they have a, you know, think of some yeah. of the, the cathedral grove and some of the old growth forests yeah, that we, we think of. And, nice, yeah. yeah, so I mean, sometimes the, the best thing to do is actually just to, with an old bunch of cedars is just to trim off the lower limbs mm-hmm. right up to about six feet mm-hmm. so that all you're seeing is this beautiful bark but then you still have that canopy above of the the growth that's that's above your head yeah. so you can walk in beneath them <clears throat> might be a, an option as opposed to just trying to cut them back and hope for some fresh new growth to green them up um mm-hmm. that's it's yeah, it's hard to say for sure over the phone, but um, yeah. I wouldn't ever recommend tying plants up. It never really ultimately okay. works. Would it be better if I would chop them down the whole side, mm-hmm. the whole back, uh, like only one side I want to cut down total, out, totally out and plant new ones? What would you suggest? That's certainly a, a possibility because, yes, many landscape plants do overgrow or outgrow their location mm-hmm. and need to be replaced. 
uh, just like we paint our dining rooms every 10 years just to freshen up the dining room, we need to replace our landscape plants every 20 to 25 years unless very good maintenance has taken place and then they can often last longer. So Mm. cedar hedges can go on for many, many years. What you have just suggested Mm -hmm. or taking them totally out and 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 start fresh and keep those new ones in trim and shape. That's right. Yeah. Maintain yep. them. Yep, exactly. Yep. And if you're going to replant in the same spot where you currently have the cedars, then it will be important that the root balls or the stumps are taken out. Totally uh, out. Yeah. So, yeah. And oh, be, if they're that old, you'll need to hire a company that has an excavator, and they'll actually excavate and pull the stumps of the old plants, then freshen all the soil and put in new plants. New plants. Yeah. Charlie, can I ask you one more thing? We have an abundance of squirrels. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know I lost seven seven or eight um, cedars, and the squirrels I believe it was them just ate the bark or chipped off the bark or I don't know how they did it, and I don't know if I should accuse them, <laughs> but the cedars are gone mm. like they die. Well, it c- is it. The squirrels? Uh, again, a little hard to say for sure over the radio. No, squirrels will not kill cedars. They will uh, definitely use the bark for some of their nest building yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. If it, you know, Because it is that peely bark. But the plant would have been suffering in the first place if that kind of activity would kill it. It is possible that you've got so many cedars in there that they're really crowding each other and that some of them are not healthy as a result. Because uh, yeah. remember, that's what happens with, with a hedge, really. A cedar hedge is a lot of plants planted very close together. Yes. So we do have to look after them, water them, fertilize them better than we would an individual plant because they are all competing for the limited moisture and, yes. and fertilizer and, and nutrient. Yeah. So it could be that. But you are in Scarborough, so you do have the squirrels that are what I consider extremely inbred oh. and, and particularly obnoxious. It's <laughs> awful. It, uh, they... they, they there is nothing where they don't put their paws in. I planted the tulips <laughs> three weeks ago. Yeah. And, and they've moved them around, lo- I'll bet you. Pardon? They've moved them around. <laughs> <laughs> no, they sit on the little fence and they eat them mm. and they look at me and, in other words, what do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> I think you need a squirrel feeder. You need to get out some of that cracked yes. corn or something and give them their own little little place in the in the garden. Because if you've got nice big cedars, they probably love hanging out in your garden. Oh, he, he better believe it. So maybe it's time to get a squirrel feeder and then they might leave the tulips alone. Th- thank you for your call, Valerie. You. And you, you were very, very much. you were very clever to move to the animal kingdom to squeeze in that second call. Oh yeah, but, I know. but only what? Allowed- one. Well, what worries me now is that the the squirrels are going to hire a lawyer and <laughs> sue us for your maligning them, uh, using the airwaves to malign squirrels. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I hope that's not going to happen. But thanks for the call anyway. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. 9.50 right in the button. And you know... I mistakenly thought it was going to be really much colder than it is, so I wore my long underwear. And, <laughs> so and, don't be and, doing any exercises no, wait a in minute. here. I, I'm, I've, got to, I've got to do my exercises. <laughs> Not with and, that long underwear Well, on. well oh, check that trap door again. It's, it's 12, two buttons 12 degrees outside. <laughs> the last thing you need is your long underwear. <laughs> so we can be out. There's no snow shoveling just yeah, yet, but right. we want to be ready to go when the snow falls. We can be golfing. We can be you know, jogging and certainly finishing up with any garden activities, you know, removing the leaves, that sort of thing. So keeping limber, 
pain-free, that's important, to you and I, the kickboxer. It's very important. Absolutely. So we do our exercises, and it doesn't hurt. And that's because we take Sierrasil, which is a mineral supplement that seems to work And how do folks get a hold of that? Sierrasil.ca or... Check one of your local health food stores where you can pick up Sierra Soul right off the shelf, and there will be staff there to answer any questions you might have. Uh, one place is Ambrosia. Oops, like, too many pieces of paper here. One place is Ambrosia Natural Foods up in Newmarket. There's a place called, um, well, Whole Foods. Any of the Whole Foods um, have it as well. And, of course, there's a Whole Foods in Cornwall. There's one in Oakville. There's a couple in Toronto. Pick up Sierra Soul there or give them a call, one joint 14 Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And I'm the sous chef of the uh, Garden Show, Frank Proctor. Delighted to welcome Gail to the line from Aurora. Hello, Gail. Hello. Good morning, morning, Charlie. Morning. Um, I have a question about a fern. Mm -hmm. I was given a fern, a very large, luxurious fern, and not the common type. It's a curly type fern. And it was taken from somebody's garden and given to me about three or four weeks ago. I can't keep it in the house because it's drying out already. Um, what, how can I winter it over? So, Gail, you're the person who sent me an email. That's right. And actually, I read it about uh, 20 minutes ago or so. I guess you, you weren't, <laughs> didn't catch, catch me reading your email. Um, but when you say it was from somebody's garden, was it actually in the ground or was it in a pot? It was in the ground. Do you have any idea whether this is a hardy fern or a tropical fern? I would guess it's a more hardy fern. It's much thicker and more luxurious than a lot of ferns. Hmm. So if it's a hardy fern, it should, it should be in the ground and it should be outside, and that's where it will survive the winter. If it's oh. a tropical fern, it will die in the winter outside. Okay, so I just have to find out if it's a hardy or a tropical. I, I would guess it's a hardy. Yeah, if it was in the ground, likely it was exactly just that, a hardy fern. Now, what, if you have a digital camera, you're welcome to take a photo and send me a, a picture and I can identify it for you. Uh, oh, the okay. other thing is just t- if it's all drying up and looking pretty crummy in the house anyway, then I'd be getting it outside. Get it into the ground or at least put it in a pot, sink the pot in the ground so that you can then pull it up in the spring and do whatever you want with it at that point. But okay. do get it underground. Should I put? Should I cut it right down? Yes. Uh, usually ferns are very susceptible to the frost and the fronds will get all brown and crispy very quickly in the cold weather. So right. we just typically we just give them a bit of a haircut either now in the fall or in the spring. Doesn't matter, either time. Okay, thank you very much, and I will send you a photo. All right, great. Great, Thanks, good Gail. stuff. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Bye-bye now. That's so cute. Um, because Gail wasn't listening earlier, obviously. Uh, quick, uh, just in case Gail... Uh, oh, she does know my email. Yep. She's already sent me one, so but she's going to send me a photo, so that's great. Okay. Uh, time uh, enough here, certainly for a call from Mallory from Toronto. Hello, Mallory. Welcome to the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. Good morning. Morning. I have um, a question. What do you use to cover the um, the young evergreen plant to to uh, cover it during the winter? To protect them, you're thinking? To protect it, yes. Well, when they're young, meaning that we've planted them just this year, sometimes yes. we worry that they need some kind of protection. But it really depends. What kind of evergreen? Are they cedars or spruce? Or do you know what, the, what kind? I'm not sure. 
Because usually I'm not a big fan of covering evergreens unless, number one, they're not really hardy. So they need some covering to keep them uh, protected from that, you know, cold, cold wind. Uh, Or number two, you're close to the road where salt might spray onto the evergreens. And then we cover to protect them from the salt. Either way. Last year, um, what time? Last year, I planted it last year about in the fall. Uh And um, during the winter, a whole side of it died from the wind and everything. Right, okay. So a couple things you can do to help avoid that in the future. Number one, water, water, water. All the evergreens need to be thoroughly watered before the ground freezes. So that means if you've put your hose away now with all this warm weather, take, you know, we're going to get some rain in the next few days, which is great. But if we don't get enough rain, make sure all your evergreens are very well watered over the next few weeks. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, uh, and Frank knows this one because he's come up with this answer for for some of our callers. Drive uh, four stakes in the ground around the evergreens that you want to protect, but not touching the plants. So four tall stakes, taller than the plants. Then with burlap or an old sheet, wrap around the stakes with some fabric or what, like I say, it could be an old, an old sheet from the bed or, you know, an old tablecloth, wrap around the stakes. And now you've built a bit of a, a little house with no roof on top. Leave it open on the top. You can throw some leaves in on top. You can water through the top if necessary. But the bottom line is that will help protect the evergreen from the wind, the drying wind, and also the hot sun that sometimes happens in the spring and can cause dehydration of evergreens when the ground is still frozen. All righty. Thank you so much. Thanks for your call. Thank you, Mallory. And good luck with that. And son of a gun, we're just about out of time here. Just about. <clears throat> Very interesting questions coming by this morning. I know. I, I see that uh, Dave Redinger and uh, Alan Gelman have arrived, and I've got to thank the boys there. Well, particularly <laughs> Dave. I'm driving. I'm driving his Jeep. His personal yeah, Jeep. Yeah, because my You're my car driver? is in Dave Corner Garage. Oh, he lent yeah. you his vehicle. Yeah. What a great guy. Oh, it is. It chews gas up like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> but it's a great car. <laughs> <laughs> he's laughing. Is he really? Yeah, yes. he's, he's driving the little Ford Focus while you've got the big yeah. Jeep. He's paying nothing for gas. So anyway, so I and you're, you've got a show coming up? Yes, indeed. Be back at eleven o'clock, and I'm glad to welcome all the folks. Of course, anything uh, special? Uh, well, yeah, I'm going to be talking to Rod Beatty, who mm-hmm. uh, from a letter from Wingfield Farms, which is coming up. Next Tuesday, I believe, at uh, Richmond Hill Center oh, for oh, the Performing, Performing Arts. Arts yeah. Yep. And then, uh, let's see, Marie, oh dear me, Emily Claire Barlow, who is a fine singer, uh-huh. is going to be having a, a concert in the area uh, at uh, the Rose Theater. So In I'll Brampton? Chatting. Yes, I'll be chatting so, with her. Oh, gosh, well. you've got all kinds of I got all sorts famous of celebrity on. types yeah. lined up. Way to go. <laughs> okay. Thanks we so get much, out of here. Dave. Thanks, Frank. Thanks to all our great callers. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.